new Giving USA data are available. How can fundraisers use these data for their fundraising today and their fundraising planning tomorrow? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakovich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Laura McDonald. She's the principal and founder of the Benefactor Group, a national nonprofit management, leadership, and fundraising consulting firm headquartered in Columbus, Ohio. And Laura, thanks so much for being with us on this first day from the fundraising school. My pleasure, Bill. It's one of my favorite topics. So the, it is for us as well. The data are out $471 billion in charitable giving. That's a number that went up despite the health and economic dislocation caused by a worldwide pandemic. What is your reaction to this news? Are you surprised? You know, How did you feel when you heard that this was the number? I'd say, Bill, I'm mildly and pleasantly surprised as we monitored the year. We thought that there were signs that more and more households were participating in um, charitable giving, but we know that the number is really driven by those biggest gifts. And so we weren't sure that the mega gifts or the other um, multi-million dollar gifts would be resilient as resilient as they proved to be. So mildly and pleasantly surprised. And we see that, you know, the overall total is up about 5% compared to, you know, the previous year, up 2% amongst individuals, 17% amongst foundations, uh, down amongst corporations by about 5%. Again, what are these data saying to you as they come out for what happened in 2020? Well, I, a couple of things. And I think we need to be careful before we celebrate too much that 5.1% increase, which is a meaningful increase in the amount of charitable giving. And yet, first of all, let's think about what drove that increase. And it was, you know, in many cases, human suffering. And that's nothing to celebrate. Uh, and in other cases, it was a dawning, uh, growing realization of racial inequities. So, you know, some of the drivers of that philanthropy are things that um, really create great challenges for our society. I think the other thing that, that we see is that um, those sources of giving, we continue to see how sensitive they can be to uh, the equity markets, particularly foundations, and we saw that, certainly, uh, and also individual giving that for high net worth households, which for better or worse, continue to drive uh, charitable giving, they're very sensitive to the market. And the market, although it was a little scary back in March and April of 2020, you might remember, by the end of the year, it had really rebounded and those families were in a position to be more generous. I think my question is more to do with the corporate philanthropy. We saw many corporations either making grand pronouncements or really leaning in, uh, whether it was to address the um, some of the challenges created by the pandemic, or if it was to address uh, this moment of racial reckoning that we find ourselves in. Uh, and yet, you know, it was a tough year for many in the business world, corporate pre-tax profits did drop 3.5%, but corporate giving dropped twice that, almost twice that, 6.1%. I remember the good old days when Ken Dayton used to champion, you know, 5% of corporate pre-tax profits, felt that it was good for businesses because it built public trust. And it also helped to uh, empower the communities that businesses uh, exist within. We're a far cry from that at, uh, I think something in the neighborhood of 0.8% of corporate pre-tax profits going to philanthropy. So it's a mixed picture. Laura, as we look at these data then from 2020, and as you mentioned, when the pandemic first started, you know, folks were talking about a backslash economy, an economy that just, you know, smeared into the ground and was, might stay there for three or five or 10 years, however long yeah. it was going to take to find a vaccination. 
And yet we know, at least in the United States, and we know we have folks internationally who follow the fundraising school in this podcast, but at least in the United States, the pandemic seems to be in a concluding season. The economy seems to be warming up. What advice do you have for fundraisers as they now look at these data from 2020 and think about their fundraising for the second half of 2021 and as they're planning for 22? Yeah, I think that that's exactly how I would use the data if I were um, sitting in the seat of a fundraiser, a development professional someplace trying to plan for the future and project some scenarios about what might happen. You know, for me, in looking at the impact of the pandemic, while it's not a perfect analogy, there's a lot of that philanthropy that resembled uh, traditional disaster giving. And so to the extent that, you know, let's hope, knock wood, that the uh, pandemic for those of us in the United States who have the good fortune of having vaccines readily available, hopefully our grandchildren to get them soon as well, that, you know, if we take a look at that, that's really a a sort of more of an episodic impact. Frankly, I think the bigger long-term impact will be the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations. And that every organization needs to be looking at their case for support and determining the extent to which it's relevant and resonant for those for whom DEI has now become a real driver of decisions like philanthropy. Can you give us an example of what that might look like? Perhaps uh, you know a group that you're working with right now, or something that you've seen in the sector that you know adjustments that people are making in that regard. Uh, sure, and I think, um, and I would say that in this example, it's not simply a means to an end. It's an authentic expression on the part of this organization. But one of our, our disappointments is that we saw that giving to arts and culture dropped seven point five percent. Now we do a lot of work in arts and culture, and we know that in the past giving to the arts has been very sensitive to economic disruptions. But in the past, it's also come back stronger. Uh, So it comes back quickly and it comes back stronger. And certainly that's what we're hoping for. Um, And I know we heard from people who questioned about the relevance of the arts in an era when people, when healthcare, when hunger uh, are rampant, and yet we know about the power of the arts to heal and unify. Our friends at the Speed Museum in Louisville, Kentucky, um, mounted an extraordinary exhibition in the midst of all of this. You may recall that um, one of the events that stimulated some of the protests over the summer was the killing of Breonna Taylor in Louisville. And there was a cover of Vanity Fair magazine that had an extraordinary portrait of Ms. Taylor done by the same artist who did Michelle Obama's formal portrait. Uh, It was stunning. And the Speed Museum, which is the uh, major art museum in Louisville, acquired the opportunity to display that artwork in context, along with a number of other works of art, either about the protests uh, in Louisville, uh, speaking to questions of racial equality. uh, And it it just is is and was an extraordinary way in which they really made art relevant to the moment that we found ourselves in. And that's what I think, you know, when we look at an organization in a sector, maybe it's environment and animals, maybe it's uh, gifts to um, higher education that might seem out of step with the times. We really need to think about how can we authentically express our values and our alignment with diversity, equity, and inclusion so that the donors uh, who want to support us will see that it's relevant for the moment we find ourselves in. Translating this historic moment in an authentic way, consistent with our mission, all of that is has foremost importance. 
but then also can lead to fundraising opportunities for the nonprofit. Laura, I wanted to go back to, you used the word episodic and you know, think about nonprofits and, and getting back into the COVID lens here, uh, nonprofits who maybe received unexpected gifts or one-time gifts. Uh, maybe it was just an episode for that donor to give in the moment because of the huge health and economic crisis. What does stewardship look like? What, what advice do you have for fundraisers as they're now trying to stay in touch with these one-time surprise, unexpected donors as fundraisers think about their work moving forward? That's a great question. I'm sure you've seen the data that I've seen from folks like the Fundraising Effectiveness Project that say that, you know, first-time donors, maybe one in five, will ever make a second gift to your organization. That's such a huge missed opportunity. I think first and foremost, um, uh, hopefully you sent a prompt acknowledgement when that gift was received, that the donor received a thank you, and more than just the one that's automatically generated by your website, something that's uh, more personalized than that. And we've all got the tools now to do something more personalized. So hopefully everybody uh, had an opportunity to do that. Secondly, those donors wanna know about the impact of their gift. And so I would say to follow that with some sort of a message that talks about, here's how your gift made a difference. The other thing we know is donors want agency. So they don't wanna know how your organization made a difference. They wanna know how their gift made the difference, that they're the agent of change. Uh, perhaps on their own, if their gift was large enough, or perhaps in community with many other donors. Um, but I think that that languaging and messaging is important as well. And then finally, you know, wait until the right time to ask for a second gift. Um, make sure that it's something more than just, we'd like some more of your money. Um, you know, whether or not you've got a special initiative that they might want to support, a giving day coming up a peer-to-peer -peer campaign, look for something that really uh, will trigger that desire to continue their engagement with your organization. Insightful analysis and great advice from Laura McDonald, the founder and principal of the Benefactor Group, a national consulting firm on topics associated with nonprofit leadership and management and fundraising. And Laura chairs the board at the Giving USA Foundation, the new Giving USA data now available, the executive summary, uh, is available free of charge. You can also purchase the book if you'd like. Uh, and the Giving USA data are central to our courses here at the Fundraising School. Our public courses are available in person in Indianapolis, and we're slowly moving out to other cities across the United States. However, we will still have a strong online presence with virtual courses as well as asynchronous courses. We have this weekly podcast quarterly webinars, many ways to intersect and help you with your fundraising work. Our website is philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Our producers today are Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony with Laura McDonald. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.